time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, November 1st. Man, I stayed up too late watching the World Series last night. It was so much fun. Seeing Houston come back. Yes, we live in Texas. So, yes, we're rooting for Houston. Like my wife said, they, if we didn't have a Texas team, we'd definitely be pulling for the Braves. So, it's a great World Series going on if you aren't watching it. <laughs> Between the trick-or-treaters didn't happen, so we have this big uh, bowl of candy that we're supposed to handing out. Well, we ate too much chocolate <laughs> ourselves, so that caused for a night. But anyway... So if there's a little extra energy in it, it's the chocolate that I ate last night. We're so grateful to have you here with us. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals, and we're here for mortgage professionals, although we have a lot of real estate people listening in on it, builders and the like, interested in those interested in the industry. But we're most grateful for you, our listeners. We appreciate you being here. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anywhere, anytime. And we appreciate so much of the feedback. Again, we may have shared here recently about the feedback we received at the NBA conference. Much better attended than anticipated. Great conference. Loved it. Kudos to the NBA, the whole NBA team. Of course, Marsha Davies is so responsible for so much of the things that happened behind the scenes. So we're really pleased with it, and it was outstanding. But anyway, good to have you here, and thank you for all the great comments from all of those who were at the conference who passed on the fact that you're a listener and you really enjoy the podcast. Really appreciate it so much. I want to say that we've got as a hot topic is someone that I have respected in the industry as a leader for many, many years. She's just an amazing person, Kimberly Nichols, a Senior Managing Director at Penny Mac, and she's going to be talking a little bit about giving an update on diversity and inclusion. We're going to also talk about what's going on in the Wholesale Channel that she heads up for Penny Mac, but she's just one of my favorite people because I, I tell you, she's not all that. She had triplets. So, I mean, there's working moms, and then there's working moms of triplets. She's amazing both at a personal level and a professional level, and we're so blessed to have her joining us on the microphone here in the Hot Topic segment. So we put out some promotions on it, and they put out promotions, and oh, my gosh, I got so much feedback. A lot of people are really dialed in and listening to and ready for the comments. I also give a shout-out to Ludwig because they're the advertising agency. Barbara and the team there do an amazing job. So Ludwig Plus. Thank you for helping make this all happen. We are proud to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. We're also grateful for our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. I had a great interview with Michael Frattentoni. Got a lot of positive feedback. It's the interview I recorded while just using my cell phone going back and forth like it was a microphone. The audio came out, but the content was really, really good. If you haven't listened to it, go back and do so. Also, caught up with our friends at Finastra. They're doing a great job with their mortgage bot solution. A lot of new innovation coming in with them. They're now the number one fintech company in the world. You know, when you look at a company and you look at the leaders, like Penny Mac, a leader in the industry, you pay attention to what they have to say. So be sure to check out the interview that we did with Karen Jenkins on October 4th talking about some of the things about the importance of the user experience and customer experience. So there's CX and UX. A lot we could talk about that, but so check out that podcast. Grateful for their sponsorship as well as Lenders One, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. These two co-ops do a great job of helping lenders 
connect with each other of their same size. Something that TMC has, the Mortgage Collaborative has, which is the Collabs. They do a great job, as well as Lenders One does the same similar thing. But it's really important that we connect with each other, hear about each other's struggles and what goes on in there. So check it out to go on and on about both of these co-ops. We're members of both of them. Pick one or both. That's what we recommend. They definitely get involved. It does not replace the MBA membership, but do get a member of one of these co-ops. You'll find that you'll benefit from it, especially in these times where shrinking margins, what are others doing about it? how to respond to technology that's coming out. These two co-ops will do a good job at helping you with that. Also, this Community Mortgage Lenders of America Association, grateful to be part of them, CMLA, as well as Incelerate. Josh Friend does a great job. Again, that interview from June 21st that we did with Josh Friend, still getting radically downloaded because of the radical things that they're doing inside their company to connect you with borrowers. Great borrower engagement platform. Also, when you're recruiting, you got to look at Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, as well as Modex. Both of these companies do a great job of bringing empirical data when you're recruiting LOs. Also got some great business intelligence, BI out there. Everyone's talking about BI and data. Well, both these companies have that going in a big way of what's going on in the real estate market and the realtors that are doing well. And again, a special thank you to our newest sponsor, SnapDoc. So thrilled to have Amy Moses and the entire SnapDoc team with us on the podcast as a sponsor. Check out SnapDoc. What they're doing in e-closing is they're fast becoming the leader in e-closings. Check out e-mortgage, everything SnapDocs. Appreciate it. One of the up-and-coming companies, and you will want to get to know them. Also want to say a special thank you to those that are regulars on the podcast. We have, of course, our beloved Alice, who's been here for 13 years since the beginning of the podcast. We also have Rob Van Raphorst. We have Les Parker. We have Matt Graham. And Alan, thank you to all of the regulars for their contributions that make this podcast so successful. Let's get over to Rob Van Raphorst of the MBA for this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, MBA submitted recommendations to FHFA on the new equitable housing finance plans for the GSEs. The recommendations emphasize transparent oversight and an evaluation process for the plans and notes that FHFA should undertake a rulemaking to ensure these efforts remain durable regardless of how long the GSEs remain in conservatorship. The creation and implementation of these plans is an important step in addressing our nation's longstanding challenges related to housing equity, particularly with respect to the racial homeownership gap. And according to MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey, the total number of loans now in forbearance has decreased to 2.15%, with an estimated 1.1 million homeowners currently in forbearance plans. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me. Mm-hmm. Good job, Rob. Yeah, I was listening to the announcement. That's what he was just talking about, what they're making recommendations. But I'd like to find out from some of you out there, we're hearing some reports of increased action by the CFPB. If there's any of you that could give me some feedback on that or welcome that, we're hearing reports of that, which is a little concerning, but there's at least some good movement what's going on at FHFA. So, Sandra Thompson, listen to her speak. Very encouraging. Of course, the big news about the appraisal, 
you know, they're going to desktop appraisals and desk appraisals will be hopefully speeding along the process, dealing with a big bottleneck in our processes. Speaking of what's going on in the markets, let's get over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and a macro view of the markets. What do you have for us, Les? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Fed pride so hard and got so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. Compare the Fed, WeWork, and mortgage bankers. They all try hard. The Fed tries to stimulate the economy, but in the end, it really doesn't matter. WeWork burns millions in cash trying hard to outrun the flames. Now investors have lost their enthusiasm for unicorns who prioritize rapid growth over profits. When mortgage lenders focus on production and not profits, then investors and warehouse lenders abandon them. Because in the end, growth doesn't even matter. These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Yeah, definitely go out and do that. And when you do subscribe, put in the word power or power seller, and you'll get Les's subscription that he usually charges for. You'll get it for free. So sign up. Encourage you to do that. TMSpotlight.com. Matt Graham is here with us with a pre-recorded comment. Matt couldn't join us live, but we're always grateful when he puts in a word. Be sure to check out MBS Live. So we're about to hear from Matt Graham, founder and CEO of MBSLive.net. Love this guy. I love his commentary on what the market is. What you got, Matt? Hey, everybody. This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live Market Update. Last week began for the bond market on a positive note, and that continued for the first three days of the week. This brought much-needed relief after several weeks, really nearly a month, of steady weakness in longer-term yields. The highlight of the middle of the week was essentially front-running of the European Central Bank announcement, and that was scheduled for Thursday morning. But by Wednesday, European yields were surging lower, bringing U.S. yields along for the ride. All told, that brought 10-year Treasury yields all the way down to 1.52 after being as high as one7 in the previous week. So that is a pretty nice recovery and something that was uh, very nice to see after three to four weeks of steady weakness following the September 22nd Fed announcement. More on that in a moment, as that is integral to the bigger picture developments. In terms of economic data, we had both home price reports on Tuesday morning, Case Schiller and FHFA. They slowed down a little bit. Let's just focus on FHFA for a second. It came in at 1% month over month growth for August versus 1.4% in the previous month, so not as fast as it was, but 1% is still very big in terms of home price growth. More importantly, all it had to do was really come in flat in order to solidify expectations for conforming loan limit increases. Granted, the headline HPI, Home Price Index, for FHFA is not exactly the same as the expanded quarterly data that's used to calculate conforming loan limits, but it's close enough that we can now safely conclude that 625000 thing that's going on for quite a few lenders is more than safe. In fact, with the gains seen in August, we're probably closer to 633-ish. And if we get something even remotely close to this number in the next month's report, which happens at the end of November, then uh, conforming loan limits could easily be over 640000 or at the very least in that neighborhood. So uh, a little bit of interesting news for those of you that have been trying to figure out uh, where loan limits would be. 
But to reiterate, they have not been updated yet. They won't be updated officially until the next FHFA home price report comes out on November 30th. As far as other data for the week, consumer confidence, stronger than expected, 113 versus 108. Uh, new home sales, stronger than expected, 800,000 versus uh, 760 forecast. Then we moved into treasury auctions for the week, and uh, Wednesday's five-year treasury auction was quite strong, helped bonds gain additional ground, and uh, sort of added to the rally that the European Central Bank sparked in the morning. Durable goods came in weaker from the previous month, but stronger than expected at negative 0.4. Then on Thursday, the big to-do was the GDP announcement. We don't normally put a lot of stock in GDP because it is a very backward-looking report since it covers an entire quarter's worth of data. But in this case, it is the advance, or it was the advance report, meaning that it's the first look at Q3 we've had. And there was a lot of speculation as to where the thing would come in because the uh, median forecast among economists was all the way up at 2.7, whereas tracking indices like the Atlanta Fed's GDP now was all the way down at 0.2, so not 2.7, 0.2, effectively no growth in Q3. This led to some speculation or at least just some chatter that the actual number was going to be much weaker than forecasts were calling for and thus provide the bond market additional reason to rally. Some people even ascribed strength earlier in the week on these expectations or these whisper expectations for a much weaker than expected GDP reading. So by coming in at 2% versus the Atlanta Fed's GDP now, for instance, at 0.2, those fears or expectations or whisper numbers were basically squashed. But we saw really no major reaction to the GDP data when it came out on the 28th. There's a little bit of volatility in the morning, but more movement actually later in the morning as Europe moved back in the other direction. So we had uh, European yields leading U.S. yields higher by the end of the day. And then as soon as Europe closed, we flattened out. That's been a constant theme this week where a majority of the volatility that we've seen on any given day has occurred during the hours that the European market is open. And then we either flatten out or push a little bit back in the other direction when Europe is closed. And that just underscores the importance of foreign central bank policy on uh, domestic market movement. We've seen it with the Bank of England, Bank of Canada, European Central Bank in very clear fashion on several occasions recently. And there's no reason to expect that won't continue. But everybody's favorite central bank is the Fed. And that is the big to do for the week ahead. Granted, we do have other data coming out this week. ISM manufacturing is already out, no major reaction, non-manufacturing on Wednesday, and then, of course, the big jobs report on Friday. But uh, Wednesday afternoon brings the Fed rate decision. No decision to be made there. Obviously, rates are going to remain unchanged, but the decision to announce the tapering of the Fed's bond buying programs has already been made. And, you know, barring catastrophe, really something crazy would have to happen in the next two days for them not to announce tapering. Everybody's betting on it and they'd be foolish to forego the opportunity. So some people are wondering if the Fed is tapering and if 2013's taper tantrum was really, really bad for rates, what does that mean for this week? Are we destined to launch to even higher rates? And the answer is emphatically, nobody knows. Uh, if we are going to launch to higher rates, it will have nothing to do with the fact that the Fed announces tapering on Wednesday. Markets have known this for a while. They've telegraphed it more clearly than they've really ever telegraphed anything. And if we look at longer term charts, we can see that yields have risen nearly as much as they did in 2013 in advance of tapering. We can also see based on past precedent that when the Fed backs out of the market, either via 
the scheduled end of a bond purchase program or by a tapering discussion and then a tapering official announcement that bonds have actually rallied after that, counterintuitive as it may seem. And I know we discussed that last week as well. So there really is no rising rate implication associated with the tapering announcement itself. Now, the Fed does say other stuff, and it will say other stuff this Wednesday. And the more interesting stuff they may comment on is the rate hike cycle and the timing and quantity of potential rate hikes. Markets, especially Fed funds futures, which bet on uh, Fed funds rate levels at various points in the future, have priced in two rate hikes for 2022. And that has been a rapid and recent change. So if the Fed were to corroborate that, it would cause further drama in the yield curve, but not necessarily for longer term rates like 10-year yields and mortgages. Mortgages would be caught in the crossfire to a greater extent than 10-year yields because the average mortgage lasts less than 10 years. So it is more similar to something like a five-year treasury, or at least you know splitting the difference between a 10 and a five-year treasury. But the big drama we've seen is in the spread between things like five-year notes and 30-year bonds, or between two-year notes and 10-year notes. All these yield curve trades have been the talk of the town as far as bond traders are concerned, and there's no reason to expect that to stop anytime soon. The interesting question will simply be how much will MBS and mortgage rates be caught in the crossfire? I think more than anything, the bottom line is that don't fear the taper. We have seen this before. Markets knew it was coming from the moment the Fed began buying bonds in 2020, and the yields have done a really good job getting in position for what they know is coming. And so where we go from here will depend on new things that happen, new things that we discover, as opposed to things that we are already able to predict with near perfect certainty. That's going to do it for this week. Back with you guys next week. As always, remember, Licking on Lending listeners can get a free extra double-time trial to MBS Live with no credit card requirement by entering the code LOL in the sign-up screen on mbslive.net. Good job. Appreciate it. Now you know why I give him a bad time about Eeyore. He has got that just down low-key voice. I love what he does. I love what he brings to the podcast. Get a lot of compliments when I was at the conference on his content. So, Matt, thank you. And definitely sign up for a service. What did you hear? The jobs report coming up, some of the volatility that could be coming into the markets. And uh, then don't fear the taper, but, you know, I'm a little nervous about it. I don't fear it, but I'm nervous about it. But it all speaks to potential volatility. Well, you need to have a tool that you can use that will be able to give immediate updates on what's going on. That's why you need mbslive.net. So sign up for it. A little extra special because you get to have a trial period a little longer than normal, but definitely want to sign up for it. Let's get over to Alice Alvey. Alice is here, CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home, and she's got our legislative update. Alice, so good to have you here. Oh, it's good to be here, Dave. And, you know, listening to Matt's report, it's great that he has that calm voice as he talks about all that market fluctuation. You don't want anybody that's overly excited like you and I. You yep, want yep. that calm demeanor, right? And then now I think he came up with, like, Les Parker's next bit because you guys keep talking about don't fear the taper. And all I can think of was don't fear the reaper, the Blue nope. Oyster Cult song. <laughs> anyway, so, well, uh, my update, a little granular on some agency stuff. So, first of all, FHA mm. does have their revised handbook on the drafting table. What I love about what they do now is now they highlight all the words that they've changed. Mm-hmm. It used to be, yeah. you know, we would all sit down and have the two books open Very side prepared. by side in the old paper yep. world and have to go figure out, all right, did they add a comma that completely changed the meaning of something? So in this 4,000, there aren't a ton of changes, but a few little things that 
some lenders were doing because they may have gotten answers from FHA and others weren't. So they cleaned up a couple of things. One that they are highlighting is that you don't need to verify 12 months of payments on time for a Mm -hmm. contingent liability as a result of a divorce. So I love when we don't have to get extra paperwork. Uh, You don't need an access letter for a joint account. Let's see. And then there's some information in there that's really just trying to loop in third-party responsibilities on appraiser independence, and then adding the verbiage for their new FHA catalyst system for the appraisal (laughs) portal that'll be rolling out in March of 2022. So not anything super earth-shattering with the new 4,000, but a few tips and tricks here and there that'll originators love, I think. The other update I have is just Jenny May issued an all-participants memo in APM clarifying the seasoning requirements on VAs and how it would apply if you are refinancing a modification. So the way it was worded in Chapter 24 of their guide, it was a little kind of mixed up, whether you were talking about a modification itself, you know, Mm -hmm. of a loan that you have in servicing that you're pulling out of a pool and putting back in perhaps, or you're actually a lender like us, maybe we've got some other lender's loan and we're refinancing that loan and the borrower is in a modification or the loan has been modified. They're getting some clarification out around that. And I just want to give lenders a heads up that, and actually our special guest, Penny Mack, I noticed they had some clarification too in their guide that was very helpful online. You know, that this has been around I think some lenders are feeling, is this new guidance? Is this old guidance? You could see enough of the good shops out there had it already in place. And just a heads up to companies, you want to take a look at this right away. Make sure you've got some systems in place to catch that that VA loan, you are refinancing a modification. If you miss this, you have some challenges. And modifications aren't there with flashing red lights in a loan file. You've got to dig for Mm -hmm. red flags and sometimes go the extra mile. So just a heads up from lenders that right now, you know, it does appear even with the heading of the memo that Jenny May's calling this a clarification. So that, which means your pipeline has to already be in compliance with this. The other quick thing I'll let you know is just don't forget to catch up on Fannie and Freddie's changes for condos as a result of that structural collapse that was so devastating in Florida. They now have some extra requirements in place that everyone's going to have to make sure they're on top of. You know, you think of the liability that goes beyond just the building and the mortgage, but the the liability for the project of the people who are around there and are secondarily impacted. So it's a really big deal. And as lenders, it's a new territory to tread to make sure the appraisers are giving you complete information and the homeowners association also on any litigation pending and any possible structural defects. So make sure you're talking to your teams about that and getting them all up to speed. There shouldn't be any surprises on that one. Everybody should be, yep, we're on board. We don't want to lend on that project either. So that's my update to you, Dave, and back to the show. Anyway, so good. Excellent. I mean, there's some great stuff in there. That condo story, I was wondering at what point it's going to have ramifications from that because, well, first of all, I thought of the lives that I lost. And, but you start looking at how do we go back to something that was built so many years ago and the structural defects? What is going to be required out of that? But really important that we look at it. So good job. Thanks for highlighting that. One of the questions that just came in from one of our listeners, and it also echoes Bobby Nicely over there, who's one of our faithful listeners. But how are you guys responding, or what are you hearing lenders responding to this? You know, I don't have any insider information that I, Mm -hmm. you know, right now at all. 
I think at the end of the day, we're just going to have to wait and see what the feedback messages come out to be. Yep. You know, it'll be that you get the feedback message that says it's eligible for the 2055. I mm-hmm. think there is a lot of pressure on Fannie and Freddie to offer some relief to the extent that we know they are very capable of in this industry. The pressure has to be on them to say, look, yep. we are struggling to get appraisals. You have data. Let yes. us leverage the data. And this is a borrower benefit. It's not us trying to take a shortcut. Your loan is still properly secured. We don't know how much of this we'll see. And uh, once it rolls out, we'll be able to share more. But, yeah, that was quite the big scoop of information without mm-hmm. a lot of detail that happened at the MBA. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the yeah. things that the two big bottlenecks, you look at the process, Allison, you with the training in Union Home is so progressive. I think that's why so many people look at what is Union Home doing on that front. But when you look at where is this going, what are the two bottlenecks? Appraisals and title. And that, if, yeah. if there's new things developing in title that are really interesting, we're going to get some uh, companies coming on the podcast to hopefully address more. But lots, lots coming down, but there's initiatives underway. I promise I will share once I hear something, but as yeah. of now, I don't have it. Well, I've been calling around, too. I'm not hearing anything other than, well, we're looking at it, and we're going to go back and use what the old option was and work with that until uh, it comes forward. But, I mean, they're launching it. It, has, it is not back yet. So what do you do with that? Well, we'll find out. Find out what uh, Penny Mac might be doing. Alice, thank you so much. You are beloved, and the content that you bring out is always so meaningful. Thank you so much for adding to the value of this podcast, Alice. We truly love you and appreciate you. Stay out of your amazing husband of yours, Andy. I will. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Let's get over into another amazing contributor, Alan Pollock, here with the tech update. Alan, so he's getting a new roof, folks. So he told us on early on, hey, I'm going to be getting a new roof. There may be noise in the background, so we'll understand. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for understanding. So one is I'm going to throw out a really bad Halloween dad joke, and then I'm going to get into some fun stuff. So the bad joke, David, is what's a ghost's favorite dessert? <laughs> it's ice cream. <laughs> I, oh, that's bad. That's bad. So yeah, ice cream. Yep. All right. Yep. Don't hang up just now. We got good content coming. We promise. Good job. So it's kind of funny. We talk about you know the appraisals that Alice was just talking about, and you know potentially do we allow for desktop appraisals? A lot of people ask me a question, and I don't even have the answer for it. I'm going to just raise it, which is who actually raised all the values of the homes? Right? Did the demand become so low that people overbid? And homes sold for a higher price, and then new listings just said, hey, they went for a higher number. I'm going to go for a higher number. The Mm -hmm. appraiser said okay, or was there enough people that continued to say okay to pay for more than what the homes were worth? But ultimately, we created a new benchmark of home prices, and that's Mm -hmm. a big question. It is. What is the answer to that question? Right? Who actually allowed the values to rise? Was it purely just a part of the demand and the rise or the shortage of inventory? Do you know the answer to that? Or do you want to take a do you want to take a shot at it? Well, I could take a lot of shots of the speculation, but I seem to get myself in trouble, so I'll I'll avoid that one. Well, we can answer it another time. But for the folks that asked me that question, I'm sorry, I don't have a perfect answer. So David, today I thought we can talk about global warming. We can talk about all the supplies that are floating in the Pacific, or even better, we can skip all that, and we can talk about how to engage your internal technology staff. There I you think go. that's more important. There you go. But first, this was the big shocker this week. Seven months after a $16 million Series B round, get ready, mm-hmm. digital mortgage platform Maxwell has raised $52.5 million. There Now, a source has told Bloomberg, and I'm reading some of their comments, the latest financing split between $28.5 million in equity and $24 million in debt values them. You ready? 
$450 million bucks. That's a crazy, crazy mm-hmm. number, especially since Maxwell, is, there's a lot of competition out there. They've done some wonderful things. They also recently launched Maxwell Capital, acting mm-hmm. as a dedicated investor for small banks and credit units. So unbelievable strategy. They're driven. They're doing great. Check out Maxwell. Get this, David. We also know Flowify, right? They're more of a platform that a lot of brokers were just using their credit cards to pay for, one off, two off, not so much of the enterprise platform. Right. Well, they just sold $90 million. Oh, they sold to a that. company, uh, Property Technology, Prop Tech, called Porch. Mm-hmm. Porch Group, actually, is the name of this. It's a Denver-based company, Flowify, if you don't know too much about them. Cost Porch about $76.5 million in cash and $10 million in common stock for Porch. And they're going to be investing to further help Flowify's customers stand apart, get this, by making home purchasing and the moving process much easier for borrowers. Mm-hmm. So it seems that having the online, right, front-facing point-of-sale technology platform is a way to create a service that fits all. Even if you have partners that are within it, you create one experience, right, one omni-channel experience, and that's what everybody wants. Well, David, get this. The news just keeps on coming. Rocket Mortgage has partnered with Salesforce to bring more technology to lenders. It's going to be called Mortgage as a Service, and it's going to be in the financial cloud of Salesforce. Mm. It'll support a POS and LOS for financial institutions. How about that? And if you didn't think I had enough amazing news today, it gets better. There's an article in National Mortgage News, and it parlayed perfect into what we were talking about today, called How to Build a Better Tech Stack. And they've got five items. I'm just going to list them real quick. But it's so spot on. If you're looking to build a new tech stack, you need to consider these five things. You ready? E-lending, web-based and mobile-based browsing solutions, OCR and ICR, automated data gathering and analysis, and AI and rules-based workflow. That Mm -hmm. article couldn't be more spot on. If you're looking to revise your strategy, you're looking for new vendors, go read that article because there's a little bit of content around those five topics, but it is spot on. What the article doesn't talk about is how to put a tech staff around it, right? You're going left, then squirrel. You read this article, you move right. What do you do, right? And so one thing, and David, you and I have talked to many people about this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bet not a lot of people have this, but the question is, do you have a technology board of advisors? Do you have an executive group? Not your corporate executive group, but how are you driving tech strategy? Remember the question a long time ago, David, about many, many podcasts ago, is a CIO, a CTO, is a CTO, a CIO, and the difference between a VP of technology? We probably should dig that back up. That would be well, a good one those for you. Folks, yep. Absolutely. If you've got the same guy who built your system as the same guy who's your CIO, CISO, CTO, you get the acronyms, right? They keep going. Is that really your tech strategy? Did they graduate from fiddling and managing and playing with those systems every day to actually being part of the corporate strategy to drive profits and to reduce costs and to accelerate your brand? That's what you need. You need an executive group or a specific team that's circled around your tech strategy. And this article is on Forbes. It's a really, really good article. I'm going to talk more about how to work with offshore development next week, David, or get further into this. I just wanted to kind of bring this up real quick because it's just so good. And it's called 16 Ways to Keep Your Tech Team Happy and Motivated. And because it's in Forbes, I like it because they've talked to a number of people rather than an opinion letter that's in another place online. And what's really good is, get this, share good and bad news equally. And for many of us, right, especially on the tech side, you always hear bad news. And you always hear things that we're going to do in the future. But how often do you share good news? Even if it's nothing more than a customer that sent an email that said, you guys made my day. Thanks for getting this done quickly. 
share that with that tech staff. They need to see that. And not just your management tech staff, yeah, just, share yeah. it with the guys that are actually coding. The next one, David, is regularly review performance based on tangible metrics, right? Be able to set a goal and show them that they've achieved that goal and spread the news, challenge them and create new opportunities for them. Tech folks sometimes don't want to sit in the bubble and do just that forever. Even if it's a temporary project that you whisk them away and you give them some special, you know, uh, mission and you complete that mission and you come right back and you still continue to do wonderful things. They want opportunities. They want to do new things. And the number one thing I'd say out of everything I just went over, David, we'll end the segment today on this, is give them work-life flexibility. Let them know family comes first. Let them know that they're important and they are family, but their family comes first. And that's probably the most important thing to keep your tech staff happy. So interesting you bring that up because I was just talking to another individual who just resigned on that one issue and had a yeah. death in the family. And he, he was made to feel guilty for almost going to the funeral. And then when he got back, yeah. no one asked him anything about, so how are you doing? What's going on? It, it's amazing how sometimes insensitive we can be, but maybe that's why I'm so excited about our upcoming hot topic because who we have coming on is just plugged Absolutely. in all of that. Alan, thank you so much. Appreciate your tech update. By the way, that was Alan Pollock. If you want to reach him, many of you do, get a hold of him at Alan, A-L-L-E-N, at TMS-advisors.com. That's his email address. He works as an advisor. He works on boards. He does a lot of stuff. <laughs> so when the band sleeps. And he's got three girls. Three? Three daughters? Oh, yeah. Yep. College and, uh, shopping for one right now. It's definitely huh? a unique process. It's probably just oh. as complicated as the mortgage process. Yeah. I look forward to... Uh, having you back on next week, Alan. Thank you so much. Got a lot of feedback on your segment as well. It's great stuff. Appreciate Thank it. You. Good to have you here with us, folks. If you're listening to us now, live, just stay right here. We're going to move into the hot topic segment. If you're listening on a downloaded basis, proceed on to the next topic because we're going to start the hot topic now. Folks, so good to have you be with us. Next week, we've got some exciting uh, topics coming up. Very excited about continuing the topic on how do you connect with people. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, the MBA, Mortgage Bankers Association, Mobility MMI, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Collaborative. Have a great week, everybody. You've been listening to Licken on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.